praise God. If I could sing like Jason, I'd sing right now. How you know Jason can sing? You've been teaching him something, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So what we doing? What we doing here? We, oh, you going down? When, all right. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know. I think I just want to weep for a while. <laughs> Jesus is the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Glory be to God. You know, we sang a couple of songs confessing our friendship with God. And um, you've probably heard it said before, you know, somebody says, if you're my friend, then, then you're his friend. You know, if you're a friend of mine, or you're a friend of his, you're a friend of mine. And um, it's awesome to be a friend of God, you know, that our Savior is a friend of sinners. And um, I want to share some things from my heart about being a, a friend of sinners. So let's just pray. Precious Papa, thank you for your love. Wherewith you love us is great and wonderful, and I'm still waiting for the full revelation of it. For the great apostle Paul prayed for us that we would know the width, the depth, the height, the length of this great love. And Father, I'm trying to get my arms around it, and I know that I never will. But Father, I pray that as I share some things that are deep in your heart, that you would truly give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And Father, that we would purpose in our heart not to just agree with it mentally, not to just rehearse amen. But that you by your spirit would move upon us, inspire us, breathe upon us, O oh holy God, that we might go forth and be doers of this life-giving word. For you said that your word is a lamp and a light for our feet and our path. And in this world that many have Declared is full of darkness. Even through the word, you have spoken of the gross darkness that covers your creation. Let us go forth in that light. Let us go forth in that truth that liberates. And let us be doing, oh God. For you said that we are to occupy until, we come, until you come. And Father, I know that there are no unemployed members in the body of Christ. For you've given us all a gifting. You have made your anointing available to all. If we would just echo the words of your servant, Isaiah, and say, here am I, Lord. Send me. So Father, I pray for a mission a missional mandate upon our lives this morning that we would hear you saying go 
Go into the nations and make disciples of all men. Teach them my principles. Teach them my truth. Let them see my life coming forth from you. Bless each and every one of us. Father, if there's repenting that needs to be done, oh, Father, may we empty our cups of ourselves so that we might be full of you. That our selfish ambitions might decrease so that the greatness of who you created us to be might increase. Speak. Speak, Father, for your servant listens. Father, I don't come mapped out with something trying to sound intellectual or impressive in any way, Father. But I would pray that you would give me the words to say to bring hope and direction to your people. That we might glorify you as the king of all glory, as the high and lifted up majestic and awesome God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, go ahead and love on somebody before you sit down. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Ain't it awesome to be loved on? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, well, it's a a blessing to be with you this morning, as always, coming to Faith Dome of Fellowship. Man, I just really appreciate the spirit that I always encounter when I come here. And really, that anointing follows, you know, Bishop and Pastor Elaine, wherever they go, because I've known them before they knew about this building. And um, they've invited me many times to share, and there's been many times that I come and didn't even get to preach, and I didn't mind it at all, just because of the worship, their heart for worship. You know, worship comes from an old English word that means worth to ship. You know, when they came from England to, a, to America, you couldn't bring all your stuff, hello. So you could only bring what was worth to ship. Hello, somebody. Come on now. I know I may not look smart, but I read it somewhere, and I said, that makes a lot of sense. You can't bring everything, right? Some people want to bring everything. When I go out with my wife, she wants to bring everything. I said, girl, you got to leave some of that stuff behind. You only got just bring what's worth for this particular trip. And listen, when we come to worship God, we're saying, Lord, this is what you're worth to me. Come on now. So it's not about singing songs, and I hope they do this one. (laughs) Come on now. Just close your eyes, and wherever the Spirit wants to go, follow. Amen. 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 Just follow. And and then every song becomes your favorite song because you're engaging it with your heart. 
And, and so every time I hook up with them, there's a lot of engagement. And, and, and you know, I'm like, man, if we preach, we preach. If we don't, I don't, I don't care. Because really, you know, I came up here to pray. They said pray. I could either do two things. I could either mess up the service. How many of y'all know sometimes it's just downhill after worship? Come on now. Too many people don't fall asleep in worship, but in the message, people be getting them long blinks. Slow motion blink. Like, oh, man, glory to God. So I just got to pray and say, Lord, well, you know, you show up and you speak to the people. Amen. I don't care how good you are, too. I don't care. I know some good preachers. I fell asleep on them. Hello. I remember I went out to uh, uh, to Houston to go visit my brother. I was going to do a wedding out there, and my mom was out there. And I said, man, let's go to Joe Osteen's church. And, and in this wedding, there was a bunch of unbelievers, so I started recruiting people. Man, y'all want to go to this church? It's awesome, man. You know, it's, 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 it's a you know, of legendary proportions, man, what God is doing. And they took this arena and there's a church. And I just started, just started hyping this thing up. Come to church, come to church, come to church. So a bunch of people came to church. I was like, praise God. I mean, there was, you know, sinners and saints alike just in the church. And I walked into this church, you know, Joe Osteen, you see him on TV. I, I like his daddy. I used to hear his daddy preach for years. His daddy is fired up. Joe just, you know, he's good now. He blessed my heart all the time. You could be depressed and watch Joe Osteen and just start smiling. I find myself just looking at the TV with my head tilted to the side. Just, Amen. So I went to the church. I said, man, this is going to be awesome. We went in. It was amazing. I mean, the, the ceiling changes colors. They got a, a waterfall on the side of the pole. I mean, Man, and all these people coming into worship, they got like, man, listen, we don't, all of us could be ushers and we wouldn't have enough. Hello. <laughs> so I'm like, man, this is all, and I sat there, glory to God, and these people were getting it, and I fell asleep, y'all. <laughs> Great example I was, huh? <laughs> fell asleep in it. Listen, no matter how, it, it's got to be a rhema word. It's got to come and connect with your heart and with your spirit, and I pray that the Lord connect. I pray the Lord move something in your heart this morning. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let me get the, uh, Pastor, Pastor Robert said, uh, you going to use the Bible today? <laughs> <laughs> I get all off and just start talking like we friends. I, I mean, even today, I was getting, I had on a suit. I said, I, mean, I said, you know what? Bishop want me to come and talk about FCA, so I'm gonna play the part. I'm gonna come, you know, dress like a play play the part, dress like an athlete. Hello. <laughs> I work with a bunch of athletes, and when it's time to go run and do some exercise, I said, "Go ahead, y'all. I get the water ready for when y'all come back." Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, you know, I want to give a quick update because, um, you know, uh, Faith Doma Fellowship has been a great support. Um, for me personally, um, working for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, you have to raise up your own support. And um, I'm not really one to ask for money and never have been. I used to just take it. Hello, anybody? Hello. Before I, I'm going to just take it, glory to God. 
That's how I used to be. I used to be before Christ. So, so then I got saved, and so I couldn't take it no more. The Bible, how many of y'all know about the five-finger discount? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I ain't asking for nothing. That was mine before. <laughs> before when? Before, right? But, um, you know, the Bible, the Bible says that we can't steal no more, so we got to work. So, you know, I, I've been, man, since I got saved, I... I had to hold down a job, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't a consistent worker, but, man, I got saved, and then, you know, I started working hard and working unto the Lord, hallelujah. See, when you start working hard, just listen to what God says. Start working hard, then you start working as unto the Lord. Then you know what happens? You get promoted, and you get blessed. So, you know, I was blessed in certain ventures that I had, and then God calls you to ministry, and then it's dependent on people giving. And if someone's going to give, you're going to have to ask. I mean, even God being a giver, he says you have not because you. So, you know, I, when I started working for FCA, they said, you got to raise your own support. I said, what that mean? <laughs> they said, that means you got to ask people for money. So I said, all right, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to call up all my friends. And I, I called Bishop and said, Hey, Bishop, um, don't make me roll up on you. No, I'm just kidding. I said, Bishop, if you would be so kind as to uh, contemplate that. I was like, listen, you could pray, but don't pray too long, bro. But I, no, I asked him if he could pray and, and, and support, and, and the church has, has been a support for the last three and a half years. And I could go on telling you so many intricate details, and then y'all start giving me the long blink. So I won't, but FCA, basically what we do is we start a Bible school, uh, Bible studies on the public school campuses. And um, many of y'all may have never heard of FCA because it's really never been that big in the urban communities. When we say urban communities, we mean in, you know, maybe some of the lower income areas. You know, um, um, we just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> try to be funny and offend somebody. But, um, you know, uh, so I go in there and, and basically work with the coaches and with the principals to see if we can find sponsors on those campus that would allow us or they would host a Bible study on their campus. And so we go in there. Robert works at Lake Brantley. I don't like to go to Lake Brantley because they too bourgeois for me over there. <laughs> they ain't no, they ain't too much low income. But you know, when that football player's parent, his mama died, Jeff over there, and, and you know, then then that's when FCA comes in because this young man, his mother died, and you know he had a bunch of siblings that had to raise themselves, and so we come in and then lend support, and so. Going on to the campuses, we, we, we just minister in any way that the Lord allows us. And because in 1984, Ronald Reagan passed an all-equal um, access law that you can go and start a club on campus. It could be a glee club. You know, one, one of our greatest competitions on campus right now is the gay club. You know, where, where people come and they start up clubs for homosexuals and and, um, you know, they got chess clubs. They got all different type of things that they do. And so we go in there and do these Bible clubs for athletes. And um, so we, we break it off into four entities. It's uh, campus, 
camps, coaches, and communities. Just to let you know, one testimony from your giving is um, I serve at a school out in Harmony. And um, Harmony High School is in a Mormon community. And so uh, even the Mormons allowed them to build the school on their, on their property. And um, so going out there, I remember just, you know, uh, uh, it's a big population. I believe it's a 4A school. And so, um, you know, you go, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking they have about 2,500 uh, students on campus. And so going out there, they told me, hey, we're not going to be able to do much here because it's a Mormon um, population. And so for a year, I went out there and met with two or three kids. And um, I, I met this, uh, this Spanish pastor, this Latino brother Baptist guy out there. And he, you ever notice when you see somebody of your race in a place that's not dominated by your race, you just kind of drawn to them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I know I used to hang out with the brothers. And you could be in the airport somewhere, you know, in Iowa, and two black guys would see each other. And they like, what's up? They don't even know each other. How you doing? <laughs> I'm sure it's the same for other races also. And um, so, you know, I met this guy out there, and we was meeting with these two or three kids and started getting in. Well, don't you know that we have now, you know, we have over 300 students that meet for lunch. And we've seen God, amen, on the public school campus. We have outreaches, and, and we've seen hundreds of kids make some type of decision for prayer just uh, right before Christmas, we did an outreach, and we had 46 people give their life to Jesus Christ. We had, we had over 450 kids come out, and um, it's an awesome thing. And just to, just to see God move in that capacity is an awesome thing. Then we work with coaches. You know, I, I had worked with one coach out in Freedom High School, and, um, you know, he let me speak to the kids every once in a while. So I speak to them once a week and do a little devotional on, you know, how to play with integrity, good sportsmanship. And as I was sharing these things with him for a whole year, the coach was in the back, and he said that every time I came out, he'd start thinking, man, you know, here I am having this guy talk to my kids about playing with integrity, and I don't even coach with integrity. He's telling my kids about playing as a family, and I don't even treat my staff as family. Well, you know, he had to have an adjustment made in his heart. It's called being born again. So coach got born again. Hallelujah. Amen. Went home. And he's the head coach. He's the head coach. So he went home, talked to his wife. She wasn't saved. She started going to um, church with him. She got born again. And get, he called me, said, hey, Brother Frank, guess what? My wife got saved. I'm like, praise God. So now he sends all his staff, all his um all his plays to our camps. We do different camps throughout the southeast region. And we just real heavy on football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. We get down on the fundamentals of that sport. But we always find a way with wisdom to tie in Christ. And so kids get, get born again. And I can tell you literally, literally, Bishop, from from things that I've seen or camps that I've preached in or was a camp of direct, that I've seen thousands of people come to the Lord through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, through our ministry base right here out of Orlando. And I'm talking about when we get kids to go to camp, one, one camp in particular, we get 600 kids to come out. And kids, I've seen this where they say, 
you know, what was the most impactful uh, thing that happened to you at camp? And the kids will write Jesus, but they'll spell it G-E-Z-U-S. And it wasn't because they was trying to, you know, get cool, like on a text message or whatever. That's They didn't know how to spell Jesus. So this is an awesome thing when you provide right here in America. See what I'm saying? Now, that's what Bishop was saying. So many times we think we need to go far, and it's good to go far. But the light that shines the furthest burns bright at home. Amen? It has to have a base here. So it's good we go out, you know, but we need to minister and touch people right here. And um, I guess the last thing I could tell you is about this uh, this one sister that um, – um, young lady, she came up, we was doing a small Bible study with about 10, 15 people, and she came up to me afterwards, and she said, hey, I got to tell you something, and she says, um, I'm probably going to get in trouble, and I hope you don't get me arrested, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I, I just feel led to tell you, and I said, what's up, girl, talk to me, so um, she said that um, she had been using drugs, and, um, you know, she was using cocaine, and, and, um, and, and some other things, and, and so, uh, and I said, yeah, I, I hear you, and she said, but I'm pregnant, and, um, you know, so I, I asked her how many months she was pregnant, and when she said it, then I noticed that she was showing a little bit, and um, the crazy thing is that she was 16 years old, and she, this was her second child. She had a, a child when she was 14 years old. And so, you know, she said, I want to come up because you was talking about sin and how we can be free from our sin. And one of the things you said is that we need to confess. And she said, so I thought that, you know, like when we go to see a priest, am I supposed to confess my sins to you? And I said, well, you know, what you need to do is confess your sins to the Lord. And he knows them and repent of them. And I said, you confessing with me, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to give you an avenue of healing. So we was able to pray with this young lady. She accepted Jesus Christ. She's off drugs today. You know, she's, she, she wound up getting out of school because it was just too hard for her. But she's getting, you know, she, she got her GED, and now she's contemplating going to college. So these are the kind of things that we're able to do in FCA and be a part of different people's lives. I could tell you story after story, but um, we'll stop there. I just appreciate and say thank you. Thank you so much for for your giving and and how you guys um, support us. So um, I appreciate you. Amen. Give it up for each other. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, um, my job is is an exciting job. I'm, I'm also a, a pastor of a small church uh, that we planted a couple of years ago. And and, um, you know, I, I get a lot of opportunities to minister and bring forth God's word. And um, there's plenty of weeks where I'm preaching. With no, there's not a week I don't think that I preach less than five times in that week. And uh, we're doing some things to, you know, uh, train people up so that they can do certain things. But it is what it is. And, you know, I remember when my pastor used to go out of town and he said, Frank, I want you to preach. And I'd be like, when? And he say, um, you know, I want you to preach like next month. I'd be like, Pastor, you got to give me more time than that. You know, it's like I got to pray, man. I got to, you know, I got to fast and do all these things. And, and you know, I, I never felt like I had enough time. And it's funny because now when you preach, you know, I could preach three times in one day 
or, or, or and then and these you know some of these are services like this morning and so I just I've gotten to the place where I'm like Lord you know I, I can't take weeks of preparation so I listened to what one of my mentors said you know they asked him they said um you know how long does it take you to write a sermon when you're like you know a bishop and you've been in ministry for a long time it really could take you 20 minutes to write a sermon really does. But he said, it, it may take me 20 minutes to write a sermon, but it takes me all week to get the man ready. And that helped me immensely because all I try to do is get the man ready to come and preach. And right, sometimes on my way to the place, I had to buy a GPS so she could think for me. Hallelujah. And she just tell me where to turn. And I'm just thinking, all right, Lord, what is it that you want me to communicate? And so this morning I got up at 6 in the morning and said, Lord, what do you want me to communicate? The funny thing is, is that in my heart of hearts, I'm an evangelist. And Bishop wanted me to talk about, you know, um, to, to, you know, reach out, reaching out to the community to evangelize. And so there's so much. So this morning I just started writing certain things and I just kept writing and writing. And, and I'm like, but there's no order to it. You know what I'm saying, Brother Robert? There's no order to it. It's just everywhere. But, but that's cool because God is going to, he's going to put it in some type of order now. Amen? Y'all believing with me? Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. Go to Daniel chapter 12. Some of y'all take you so long to find Daniel. Maybe I can get some things in order. <laughs> Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. It says here, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. Let's read it again. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars are forever and ever. You know, the Bible says that those that win souls are wise. They're wise. God is encouraging us encouraging us to go out and win souls. You know, God's heart is, God's desire is that no one perish. No one perish. There's a lot of arguments on, you know, something that they call predestination, okay? Is somebody, you know, predestined to be a Christian and are others predestined not to be a Christian? Okay, and there's big arguments on it, and they build up these incredible colleges, and, and Bishop's giving me this smile because, I mean, it's a, it's a hot button. It's a hot button when we talk about, okay, did God create some people to make it to heaven and then others not to? Listen, this I know. In his foreknowledge 
of who he is and him knowing all, everything was created by him and through him and all things exist because of him, he knows who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. We do not know. And it's not our job to try to figure it out. Hello. But he says, if you want to be wise, come on, somebody, because some people want to be wise and try to figure out the scriptures. And I've been reading the word for 17 years. Now, I might not be that smart. And I know I'm not. I tell you, what, I got my GED about four years ago. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was licensed and ordained by a church before I even had my GED. I'm not that bright. But I tell you what, the Holy Spirit will show you things. He's a teacher. He is God. He's been here before the foundations of the earth. He is God. And he comes and lives inside of us. I got to be careful because I've been teaching about the Holy Spirit in our church. Whoo! That the Holy Spirit who hovered over creation who hovered over Mary in the incarnation, also hovers over us in new creation. And when he comes upon you, man, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He, come, he, he comes to abide and live and dwell in you, not only as a comforter, but as a counselor, as a guider, as a director. And so the Holy Spirit can show you things. And I've prayed and said, well, what's the truth? And people go on and on and get into all type of arguments whether these people are saved and can we do. Listen, I know that it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that God's desire is that no one perishes. So if you're going to go with the predestination and the, no, listen, why is he telling me that his desire is that no one perish? So all I got to do is respond on that and go out saying, man, he doesn't want anyone to die in their sins. And if I'm going to be wise and operate in wisdom, then I need to be a soul winner. And he just didn't say one or two. Here it says, man, I want to be a star in the kingdom of God. I want to lead many onto righteousness. Lead many onto righteousness. I want to tell people about the goodness of God, about the love of God. Go with me to um, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. Actually, it's 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. I'm going to use the Bible today, Robert. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. I'm reading out of the NIV. Rebuking is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Somebody say every good work. Then it goes down in verse 2 of chapter 4, and it says this, Preach the word, 
Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and great and, and careful instruction. Preach in season and out of season. Be ready to correct, be ready to rebuke, be ready to encourage with great patience. I know some people that would be just phenomenal evangelists if they just had patience to allow people to get it the way that the Holy Spirit is going to communicate it to them. Instead of being a great evangelist, you know what they are? They're people that go around judging people and turning people off to the gospel. We have to go out and preach God's word because that's all we call to do. We call to testify and be witnesses and bring truth. And we're supposed to present these things with great patience. And I'll tell you what, God has a way for people to get it. I always tell people in FCA, I said, you might have played football, you might have played basketball, you might have played soccer, but we was all on the track team, hello. Because we was all running from God at one point or another, amen? How many of y'all used to run from God? And he says, even if you make your bed in the depths of hell, I'm there for you. But God, with great patience, continue to reach out to you and continue to love you. You know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. People are so busy wanting to expose sin in someone's life when love covers that sin. It's the goodness of God that leads men on to repentance. See, I go about and I operate in the spirit of prophecy. Now, listen, as a, as a man of God who's been ministering, and I've been in the ministry over 10 years, more like 15 years, depending on how or what crowd I'm talking to or how I want to break it down. But, you know, I operate and I preach and I teach and all that. But, you know, there's that one gift, you know, that prophetic, ooh, that prophetic anointing. I get around people, and they operate in the prophetic anointing. Before I go meet them, I say, Father, if there's any sin in my life, I just ask you to forgive me of it right now in the name of Jesus. You know I want to change, Lord. I just want to get right with you before I meet this person, and you start showing them stuff that I'm still dealing with. Somebody say amen or oh, my, hello. Be like, oh, my, you know, that's, that's scary stuff. People read it. I don't want nobody to read my mail. I just want Jesus to read my mail. Hallelujah. You know why? Because he operates in great patience. Amen? Some of us be kicked. Some of us, if we knew certain things, we might not let Bishop preach. Glory to God. And it's not that he's out there doing some crazy stuff, but people got a way of just kind of judging you and bringing you down so they can feel better about themselves. I mean, that prophetic anointing is something else. And I said, Lord, you know, if you want to use me in that, glory to God. And he uses me. Do you know that you could be used in the prophetic? Those spiritual gifts will fall on people severally as he wills. If it's going to bring glory, not everybody's going to be a prophet. But we can all prophesy. But listen, this is what we can do when we operate as evangelists according to Revelations 19.10. You know what it says? You can write that down. Check it out later. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When it's all said and done, 
The only thing that's going to matter is if you made it to heaven or not. That's the only thing that matters. We get so consumed in things that really don't mean nothing when the most important thing is, is whether you're going to make it to glory or not. So we got this room full of people. And if we can just start talking about the things of God and getting people focused on the things of the spirit, then we just say, hey, man, do you have a relationship with God? Do you love God? Are you walking with God? Robert went up there and quoted scripture. He said, man, you know, if you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. So you're going to call Jesus a friend. Are you obeying him? Are you walking with him? Are you, did you surrender your life to him? We sing a song, say, Jesus is the Lord. Is he the Lord? Is Jesus the master of your life? You might be here this morning, and I got that question for you. Is Jesus the master of your life? I didn't ask you if you came to church and how long you've been coming. I didn't even ask you if you're a member of this church. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you made that commitment from your heart to the degree that you know that you have a relationship with him, that you know that his great patience is working in your life? The scripture in 1 Peter says that we grow in grace. We grow in grace. God is teaching us. He's leading us. But you know when you've given someone your heart or not. I gave my heart to my wife to be my wife 23 years ago. But for the first six years of my marriage, she was my wife. Hello. But I was creeping. Y'all know what creeping means? Since my brother said no, I'll give you a little glimpse on what creeping is. Hello. Creeping is when you share yourself with someone else and you're married, whether it's by the act or even mentally going to that place. And some people say, I never cheat on my wife. But you see them watch TV, how they drooling on other women or other men. I said, you cheating on your wife right now, bro. <laughs> Sister talking about, oh, Brad Pitt. He's a, Brad Pitt is married. Shut your mouth, glory to God. If you even think about giving him too much accolades and too much hype, you need to go pray. Amen. Come on now. Me and my wife used to play that game. She used to look at somebody on TV, and she'd be like, oh, look at him. Come on now. He got a six-pack. I got a gallon of milk. She's talking about he looked good. I said, glory to God. Wait till the next commercial come up. Because I, I tell you what, there's more prettier girls than there are guys. Even the girls say she's pretty. Come on now. Fellas, some of us just think we the most handsome guy in the world because there's so many ugly guys. Hello. I look at my wife and say, ain't you blessed? Glory to God. You could have had homie. Now, now, some of you girls might feel different. 
Some of y'all might feel different. Glory to God. But you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Pornography. Forget about pornography. You got to check your heart. In church. Hallelujah. Talking about I want to go to church. Why? So you can get all pretty? So you can see such and such? Come on now. So I used to creep on my wife, right? <laughs> but then 17 years ago, I accepted Jesus Christ, and he radically changed me. So I combat all of that. I even told my daughter growing up, and she wants to be a model. My daughter's pretty. I said, girl, listen, you could find beauty in everybody. And my daughter would come with some pictures of some people. <laughs> she said, find beauty in that. <laughs> oh, really? God. Sometimes you got to work a little bit harder. You know what I'm saying? And you go, well, man, they got nice ears. You know what I'm saying? Just They the perfect. I see mine too small. Some, some people too big. But you can find something. Amen. Ain't y'all happy that somebody can find something in you? Come on now. Amen. Glory to God. And then you can find something jacked up in everybody. I was looking at something. They said, oh, this person, oh, she's a girl. I said, man, they got one eye over here and one eye over here. There's too much space up in here. I mean, you can, you can criticize everything. So, so I, I, I took care of that area in my life. I started praying. I came up to one guy. I said, man, I, yeah, I mean, you know, you be a baby. I think I'm possessed, yo. So I came to the preacher and said, I think I'm possessed. He said, why was my, I keep looking at other women. See, I used to stand on, sit on top of a mailbox in New York and see girls go by and be like, she's a seven. She's an eight. What an, what an, I can talk about myself bad, right? What an idiot. I'm just, you know, all, and so when a girl go by, you just be looking everywhere. Then I got saved and I couldn't look. I'm like, glory to God. And this brother came up to me. I said, I said, I, I, he said, listen, every time you're about to look at another girl, I want you to say this. I'm satisfied with the breasts of the wife of my youth. I said, did he say breasts in church? <laughs> he did. He said, it's in the Bible. He took me to it in the Bible. I said, glory to God. See, a man's mind supposed to be on sex all the time. So I said, every time, glory to God, I'm blessed. I started talking to the Lord about my wife's breasts. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. You know what? I never started focusing on any other woman's breast. And then I sowed that act, that thought, and it became a habit, and it became a practice. I wish somebody would try to roll up on me, trying to get with me. Doesn't happen that much. <laughs> <laughs> but if it did, glory to God, I ain't having it. Can I get some brothers to say amen, glory to God? Some brothers say, I, I used to always be chasing women, and you never caught none. Hello. Mm. And so I got that area in my life, but then living with my wife, I do some crazy stuff. For 17 years, probably two weeks ago. I don't, listen, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. 
Now I'm teaching young brothers how to love their wife. Hallelujah. Don't worry, y'all. Some of y'all ain't got it yet and y'all got drunk. Just stick with it. We serve a God of great patience. Just keep working on it. Just keep loving on your wife. I can't believe I be telling, I be telling people how to love their wife. And my wife be in the background, that's right, and you better keep doing me just that same way, son. <laughs> I can't believe it. But, you know, man, it takes years to develop this. But you know what? My heart was right because I said, you know what? I'm going to serve my wife. You know, ma marriage as much as it is finding the person that loves you and cares for you, marriage is ministry. Some of y'all want to do some stuff. Hey, love your family members. Start with your wife and your children. And so, you know, man, I, I, I purpose to, to try to do what's right. And that's what being a Christian is about. It's not about being perfect. You know when your heart is right, family. Some of you may be in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about because the Holy Spirit is breaking it down to you. Is your heart right? Some people just bear the name of Christ, but they're not really walking with Christ. You got to check your heart. Today I came to put that, that, that dipstick to, to check it out, to see if inside of there there's love for God. And sometimes you got to get right. Sometimes you got to get to that place where you're surrendering or resurrendering and reaffirming that. And part of living this thing out is being vulnerable and open to show people that God is working in your heart. Listen, today I could talk to people and over, you know, as the days go by, you get more wisdom on how to operate. But it doesn't mean that today I'm any better of a soul winner than I was 17 years ago. Because when I got saved and people came up to me and said, hey, man, you know, I worked in the store and they got a beer for them and a beer for me and said, hey, man, let's have a drink together. Or they invited me or somebody tried to pass me some marijuana or whatever. Man, you know, I would look at them and say, nah, man, I don't do that anymore. Or if I went to work and I was working with some coworkers and they said, what you did last night? And my eyes would get watery and I'd begin to weep and say, man, I went to church and God started speaking some things to me. He started showing me that I'm this way and I need to change and do these different things. And people would just listen to me and they would be moved. And they'd be like, man, you what? tell me more about what happened. If it's real. If, it's re if, you go to, if you go to work tomorrow and you go around just, oh, the preacher said this, this, and that, blah, blah. Listen, let people know that God is working on you. That's the greatest witness. Just be a living epistle that God is working in you. And be open. Be vulnerable. People ask you, how was your weekend? Oh, it was great. I went to church and, and God did this. And don't just, oh, man, God got a word, a, a prophetic word. Listen. Joseph went around talking about the prophetic dreams he had. And his brothers threw him in a ditch. Hello. Oh, we're going to bow to you. Oh, you all that. Because that's how we come across sometimes. We come across too righteous. 
And people are not feeling that. But if you tell a man, God is still working on me, and I'm just being careful to do certain things. So if somebody, let's, let's just stick on what I was sharing about being faithful to your wife. Somebody, oh, hey, did you, uh, did you watch the, uh, whatever, the Victoria's Secret, whatever they do on TV? I said, man, I can't watch that, bro. Why? I said, listen, man, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm not going to be tempted with all that and letting my mind wander in somewhere. Because it's either one thing. It's either I'm going to allow myself to wander there or, family, listen, it's real important, or I'm going to begin to compromise and I'm going to start accepting that thing and start letting the enemy infiltrate my mind. And thinking it's okay when it's not okay. Now listen, if your wife goes to Victoria's Secret, just say hallelujah. <laughs> and you can go whether, hey, you know, if, if, if you want to accept that or not. If you, feel if you feel convicted not to support that, then don't support it. You can look just as nice in a holy t-shirt. I'm not talking about holy like H-O-L-Y, but like with holes in it, all rat and tatted. If you my wife and we happy and we got love, you can look just as beautiful in that. Why does the world have to dictate what that's supposed to look like to be beautiful to me? It's because we get into that place of compromise. My wife settling for my gallon of milk makes me happier than anything else. Hallelujah. I'm, praise God. She winked at me. My wife winked at me. I don't get no winks. She winked at me. I get happy. And so when I'm talking to somebody, we just keep, we keeping it real. When I preach on Sundays, I'm keeping it real. This is how we're supposed to talk to people and say, man, I'm not trying to watch that. Get out of here. That stuff starts penetrating your mind. I'm not going to let stuff in my mind that's going to start altering my state of being. So you know what? I'm showing vulnerability. And I'm coming around the fellas. I don't do that. Glory to God. I, man, then they, they can't relate to you no more. And all you're doing is lying to yourself of how holy and how strong you are. Listen, we got to be real with people. We got to be open. We got to be honest. We're presenting Jesus as our Savior, as their Savior. We coming out trying to look like a Savior because we're going to speak into somebody's life and we're going to change their life and we're going to be in that role, that, that place of productivity that's going to get them to change. Listen, if God don't change them by way of his Holy Spirit, we ain't going to do nothing. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by man's intellect. It's by his Spirit, says the Lord. You just got to go and keep it real and just say, this is where I'm at. This is who I'm trying to be. And people move by that. People move when you're keeping it real. <clears throat> and then God gives you the opportunity because people want to see the victory too. I don't want to be coming up and my bishop and my pastor struggling with stuff. I want to see the victory operating in their life. I want to hear 
I want to hear that they're changing and that there's productivity in their life. And so that's why we work on being a better testimony by getting before God and letting him work in us. Even when we invite people to church, sometimes we invite people to church. And you know what we do? We just, oh, they need to hear that. You need to hear that again and again and again. He need to hear that. You need to hear it. Hello? Come to church and somebody come up here and start speaking. Oh, they're going to go here. We are, some of us been in church. Some of, we know what scriptures they're going to use before they even use them. And we let our mind go off somewhere instead of saying, I need to hear that again. It's been a while since I heard that. And if you got it in English and you got it in Spanish, then get it in Greek and get it in Hebrew. And you should be able to break it down to a little baby on the block that's six years old. And you should be able to break it down to grandma who's 80 years old. Get it in you so you can share. Because it's important, y'all. Because this is not what I'm saying either. I'm not saying just live your life and you ain't got to say nothing. No. You got to preach. I wrote down here, there's, I wrote down five ways of evangelism. You ready? What time? I know I probably got like five minutes, right? Hallelujah. Here we go. We go. We go. How many of y'all give me five more minutes? Raise your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20. 20. Oh, man, I'm straight. Uh, I'm going to give you these five things. Ready? Here it goes. Confrontational evangelism. Some people think of evangelists, and they just think of, you know, some person on the corner with a cardboard sign. Confrontation. I tell you, when I started evangelizing, that's what a brother did to me. He said, I want you to come with me. They took me down to Paramore in Orlando in the hood. And I went out there, and they gave me the mic. While people were going by, and I just started, Jesus loves you. He sent me out here to tell you that he loves you. He loves you so much, he really loves you. They asked Jesus one time, how much did he love you? And he said, this much. And people going by, they're not even looking at you, you know, like, this much, this much, you know, and, but, but I started, then I started getting, then I started getting angry because people wasn't listening. I see y'all driving by. You don't want to listen. Of course we don't want to listen to you. I'm going to get high and you trying to talk to me about Jesus. But man, there was some times I'll tell you what, one time I started preaching to this guy and he started getting fidgety and a gun fell out of his his pants fell on the ground. He looked at me, and I looked at him, and I was like, bro, man, God wants to do a work in your life, bro. Guns on the ground. He started crying, talking about he was going to shoot this guy that was messing with his girl. The old me would have been like, you need to shoot both of them. And she just said, no, 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 glory to God. Man. One time, I'm missing this guy. He's talking about, oh, people be talking about power in church. Talking about God could do this. God could do that. And I'm listening to him, and I'm just praying. And he's got a beer in his hand, 
This guy drops the beer on the floor, falls on the ground, starts speaking in tongues. I didn't even pray for him. I wouldn't even went there because I would have been scared. You know what I'm saying? Thinking this guy going to think I'm crazy. The Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. And I'm looking at him. I said, glory to God. Since we having a prayer meeting, I'm going to join the brother. We just got there and started praying. Took him inside. This brother got sober. Two days later, he was in a program getting right with God. I said, hey, man, you ever spoke in tongues before? He said, nah, man. I never spoke in tongues before. He was like, what is that? I said, glory to God. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Job, bro. You got filled with the Holy Spirit. So listen, all you got to do is make yourself available. There's confrontation of evangelism now. I ain't scared now. Some guys was clowning me at the job one day. They was messing with me. I was working banquet setup. We had like a crew of 20 people, and it was like, ah, que cristiano, <laughs> and it was joking on me, and I was getting mad. And, and one of the guys said, one of the guys said, oh, he's a child of God. Don't mess with him. He's a child of God. And one of the guys said, hey, preacher, if you're a child of God, what does that make us? Confrontation to evangelism. I said, I wouldn't have said this, but since you asked, I'm a child of God. That means that my father is God. If you're not doing what God wants you to do, you know what that makes you? <laughs> Hello, glory to God. He said that, not me. <laughs> the Bible said that. And so one of the guys said, you saying I'm a son of the devil? I said, you said it just now. You acting like it. I don't know. You asked me a question. So let me ask you this. Is your father God? You hear all the crickets? Man, who could understand religion? I said, I could understand religion. God is opening up my eyes to it. You know what? Before it was said and done, I tell you what, I led over 50 people easy to Jesus at my job. We had 700 employees. I did, I, I, my friend drew a comic book and I did the story. I gave it to the, to the president. I said, here you go, read this. If I would have gave him a check, he might have get offended. He says, oh, this is a community. We love our employees. We want to be interested in the things that you're interested in your life. So I said, oh, you want to be interested in my interests? So my man drew the comic book. I put down there, you need to get saved. You need to be born again. And I said, hey, I forgot his name. He was some German cat. I said, hey, read this. Look at this. Tell me what you think. He come back, I see him like a week later. That was very compelling. <laughs> that was great. And we started talking about it, and I started giving him my testimony. And he says, man, I'm so glad we hired you. You know what? They debated about hiring me because I'm an ex-con. Been to jail, been to prison. Hallelujah. Testifying. <laughs> I don't know what God did in that man's life later. But John the Baptist was a confrontational preacher. Repent, you brood of vi You're a bunch of snakes. What? <laughs> and people was getting saved. Sometimes you got to call people out. You ain't fooling me. Listen, there's another style of evangelism. It's called intellectual evangelism. 
Acts chapter 17. Man, Paul used to just break it down on people and get intellectual with them. Listen, if you want to get intellectual and you want to connect with people spiritually, you got to know what's going on in the world today. I don't watch TV. Listen, that's good. Be careful what you watch on TV. But I tell you, when not I used to be one of them Christians. I never watched TV. I never forget all that. You got to inform yourself on what's going on today, family. When 9-11 happened, they asked this guy, they said, how do you, um, how would you encourage people, how would you encourage people to live in this day and age with terrorism? And he said, you got to watch the news so that you can be informed. And I started thinking, man, that's so true. If I didn't communicate with my community, I could have got anthrax in the mail and said, what's this, some kind of new baby powder? <laughs> Hello. Right? And people are telling you stuff, and you're like, I don't know nothing. All I know is, you know, this book of the Bible comes after that book of the Bible. And people can't connect with you because you're not connecting with them from an intellectual standpoint. See, I know, you know, you know the Bible says we got to become all things to win a few for Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Man, you got, to, you got to learn about people so that you can better reach people. That doesn't mean that I listen to MTV. But in this day and age, if you tell me, oh, Lil Wayne and all that, I ain't got to listen to his album and go to iTunes and download. I, I just Google him, that's all. And I stick to the encyclopedia, glory to God. And I just read about them, and I say, hey, man, did you know that person isn't? And they're like, oh, man, now I'm getting into an intellectual conversation, what he's biting on. Then I tell them, hey, man, for you, it's Lil Wayne. For me, back in the days, it was Dr. Dre or Run DMC. Some of you old schoolers. Used to listen to it. It was just a little bit different. But connect with them. into That's what we do with FCA. Did you see the game? Oh, awesome. Man, look at the Super Bowl. His, the, man, see, they made a comeback. Man, you know, God's over. It's never over till it's over. And I start bringing in Jesus slowly. But you know, the Bible says be as smart as a serpent and as harmless as a dove, as gentle as a dove. So you got, you got um, confrontational evangelism, you got intellectual evangelism, you got relational evangelism, where you connect with people. That's number three, relational evangelism. We see that in Mark chapter 5 when Jesus found the Gadarene demoniac. This guy was going around the cemetery naked. Jesus came to him, prayed over him, cast devils out of him, sent him into, you know, some pigs. They went off the cliff. Then the people came. He was clothed and in his right mind. He said, Jesus, I want to go with you. Jesus said, no, nah, go to Decapolis. Go to 10 cities. Go to Kissimmee. Go to Oviedo. Go to Orlando. Go to Edgewater. And tell them, look what the Lord has done to you. And the people came, and they was marveled at the work that he did. He said, man, don't go into ministry. Sometimes you go into ministry, and you're a pastor. I got to take care of the sheep. But when you out there and you just serving God, you don't necessarily have to go to the ministry. You just go to your job and you start telling people, look what the Lord has done in my life. That's relational evangelism. It's probably the most effective. You get to know people and you let, get them know about, let them know about you. 
service evangelism. Now listen, you could go out there and serve and do acts of kindness for people. Like that lady Tabitha in the, in the Bible in Acts chapter 9, Dorcas, it says, man, you know, I believe she was the same sister that got healed at one time. But then it says, man, when she died, the people were blessed because she used to make quilts for people, blankets for people. And she testified of the Lord by her service. Now, let me tell you something. A, a, a cup of rice is no substitute for the Holy Spirit, y'all. You could do that. But you still got to bring people in and let them know where it's coming from. The last thing is invitational evangelism. You don't even have to know the scriptures for this. All you got to do is invite people. Invite them to church. Let Bishop take care of that. Let him break down the scriptures. But you, he can't go out there to your workplace he, he can't have all these relationships because his relationship is with you and the tend to you and your family's business. But if the church is going to grow and you guys as Faith Dome of Fellowship is going to fulfill the great co-mission, co-mission, we're working with God, co-laborers with God and co-laborers with one another in the great co-mission, it's great that you get a house and you caught up on the American dream and all that and trying to snatch up somebody's foreclosure deal so you can say, oh, man, I'm blessed and God has changed my life. No, if you're going to fulfill the mission, the co-mission, you're going to have to work together. And let Bishop pray. I pay you to pray. I pay you to get in the word. I pay you to go up to the mountain just like they used to pay them back in the days. I bring my tithes and my offerings because I want the man of God who's serving me to be stirred up and be getting something from God and delivering it to me on Sunday morning on how I could make a difference in life. Not just how I can be blessed, but how I can be a blessing to someone else. Because the Bible says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Some of y'all want to get more blessed. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to do more giving. And it's not just with finances. Give what you can in the church, but make sure you're giving all of your heart, all of your desires, all your affections to the things of God. Gonna have to answer for it, family. You're gonna have to answer for it. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is 2 Kings chapter 6. It talks about this great famine that they had in the land. And this is how this is how it plays out. One Woman sees the king passing by, and she said, King, you know how bad the famine is. He said, just the other day, a woman came up to me and said, Listen, let's cook your son and eat him, and the next day we'll cook my son and eat him. Can you believe this? This is found in the scripture, true event, 2 Kings chapter 6. The, they said, man, I, King, I got to tell you something. This lady came up to me and said, 
kill your kid and let's cook them and eat them. And the next day, we'll kill my kid, cook him and eat him. And she said, so we did it. We killed my son, cooked him and ate him. We talking about times are hard. But this is the deal. She said, when I came back the next day to cook her son and eat him, she hid her son. I was reading this. I said, lady, I can tell you ain't from the Bronx. How you going to come up to me and say, hey, if I come in the bed, let's kill your kid and eat it, and then tomorrow we'll kill my kid. And eat. I don't, no, let's kill your kid first and eat him. Then we can kill my kid. Oh, you come up the next day and she's not there. How shocking. But look at the desperation. It says it got so hard that they were selling donkey heads. What? A donkey head for dinner? Like what part is good there? Let me get the nostrils. I like the eyeballs. What's that? I would have took the jawbone and started beating people like Samson did. Hello, this was for dinner. Eating donkey heads. That's what it says. They were eating droppings of birds. We talking about things are bad now. You know what happens? You know what happened? There was four lepers at the gate, and they said, man, we ain't got no love. We the lowest of the low, and there's a, fam, nobody, there's a famine. No one's going to help us. So you know what they did? They said, we're going to go to the enemy's house. If they kill us, they kill us. Maybe they'll show mercy and let us in. So they went over to the enemy's camp. Some of us thought we were enemies of God. We were at enmity with God. So they come over, and you know what? God makes it sound like a whole army is coming in to invade that city. So these guys go in, and they start eating all their food, taking all the gold, all the silver. Four lepers come in, and the whole Oviedo's gone. And they're going into everybody's house. Imagine that. You're watching cable TV. You're drinking iced tea, making a sandwich, and everybody's gone. Some of y'all, we playing PlayStation 3 HD TV. We're chilling. And they're having fun in the midst of this famine. And then one of the lepers looks at the other one and says, you can look at it, 2 Kings chapter 7. He says, if we don't say anything, we do a wicked thing. Because today we got a hope. We got a purpose. We've been delivered. And we're going to sit here hanging out and not tell our people that are struggling? Listen, it's the same thing for us, family. If we got a hope and we've been saved, we've been delivered, we got a future, how can we not tell others if Jesus is a friend of sinners? How can we not reach out to them? How can we not expose this truth, this light, and this love? People talking about the economy, 
you know what, personally, it's not affecting me. I don't know how it ever really going to affect me. You know why? Because <laughs> people losing money. I never had no money. I've been broke. Let the rich man freak out. He's the one having a hard time getting into heaven. I never had nothing. That's why I came to Jesus. Me and Bishop was talking. That's what I love. Peter and, J and they said, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. God has a plan for your life. When it gets dark and it gets rough like this, this is when us, the church, needs to rise up. And say, man, we've been trusting in gold. We've been trusting in riches. And you don't need to do that. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ. People getting crazy like Obama, Obama and his stimulus check. Some of y'all don't know nothing about the devil. You need to vote for Carter because things are going to change. Carter gets in. Nothing changed. You need to vote for Reagan. Things are going to change. He gets in, nothing change. The first Bush gets in, nothing changes. Clinton comes in, nothing changes. You know what? The next, they try, let's try another Bush. Maybe it'll change. Yay! He's a Christian. Let's vote for him. Things are going to change. Things are going to change. Listen. The only time things are going to change, real, true, radical, life-changing change, development in your heart, is when you vote King Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I see people up there, listen, I was cool, man. First African-American president, man, that's cool. That's all good. But people, Obama! Let him not pass that stimulus check and see how excited people are going to be about him. <laughs> Listen, I got a stimulus check a long time ago. It said, Jesus Christ paid for my sins. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desire. You know what that word delight means? It means to, to, to receive and respond to outside stimulation. I delight myself. I receive from God. He's going to take care of everything else. So let me ask you a question. Have you responded to the Lord? Have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Are you truly wanting to dedicate your all to him? I want to pray for you if you haven't. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. If everybody could bow their heads for one minute, close your eyes.